Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me today, joining special guest, is my good friend, Charlie Thompson. How's it going, man? Oh, glad to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for joining. Yeah, I'm just enjoying my Monday, and I figured I'd stop by. Yeah. Stop by my own house and studio. Thanks for coming by the office, dude. I appreciate it. And just figured I'd check it out for the day, you know? What do you think? It's not bad. Yeah, it's not it's, too bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're streaming live on Patreon right now. If you guys want to be a Patreon supporter, you get all kinds of good freebies, including a live stream of this podcast today. We'll probably put out some videos from it later, but it's not as cool as watching live like what those patrons on there can do right now. So you can go to patreon.com slash Liberty if you want to check that out. This is our first time trying to stream live on, on that platform. It's pretty easy pretty easy to do so i'm excited I'm, I'm excited about doing that and not having to worry about 50 other platforms at the same time that's good yeah that's good those of you not subscribed you'll see the video later yeah. perhaps yeah yeah we'll see one less thing hey you know i still got some of that coronavirus left over I do think, you i think i have some kleenexes or napkins or something on your side is that true yeah i don't see any over here there were that's false I was I was doing work on your side last night and I saw them there. Fake news. Not over here. Well, not nose, at all. My nose is running. We'll see if we can catch it during the episode. Oh, good lord! How old's your kid? <laughs> He's three. Okay, all right. Making yeah. sure Charlie is a dad, so that joke is completely warranted. It's, yeah, it's allowed. <laughs> One more bit of business. If you guys want to subscribe to this podcast, hit the button that's right in front of you that says subscribe or follow whatever it is whatever you want to hit if you're listening on our website right now well go on to your favorite podcast app search the good morning liberty podcast and hit subscribe we put out new episodes every single day of the week when we want to and uh yeah just get your little bit of life liberty and the pursuit of meaning which is what we are doing today we got to talk some politics because man was it a busy weekend a lot of politics happened this weekend. So much. Sometimes nothing happens on the weekend, but <laughs> with uh, with the coronavirus going on, we got the DNC and the, a hot bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> with, so Joe Biden won South Carolina, With right? all these old men going after each other. Just a bunch one, of- One old lady. Bunch of old white people just going yeah. at it. Old white people, one Native American, they're all just <laughs> punching each other in the face over and over again, trying to win. And it's hilarious. It, it's really fun to watch. It's fun to finally watch them, uh, I don't know, contesting each other, arguing with each other, because they went months and months and months basically just agreeing about everything. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait- Everyone's got to vote here in a minute. And yeah. I, I guess I guess we should set ourselves apart from the other people just a little bit. This weekend, we saw Joe Biden win South Carolina. You said he won handedly, right? I really didn't even look. I know he won. It's like 50% of the vote or something He got, he like got a pretty good amount. Yeah. And uh, so maybe he's still in the race. Who knows? I don't know. Especially he- now with Mayor Pete dropping out. He may be throwing some more of that. Yeah, Joe you know, Biden got 39 delegates with 48.4% of the vote. That's pretty big. Bernie that's a big Sanders win. Sanders got 13 delegates from South Carolina with 19.9% of the vote. So Joe Biden jumping out there. We got Super Tuesday tomorrow. We'll be seeing who's grabbing most of the delegates. Did Bloomberg get any delegates from South Carolina? I didn't even look. No. I literally did not look at the he, results. He's not in. 
South Carolina. Oh, he, he wasn't in that vote. No, but if you Is look at true? the race, Bernie Sanders has 58 delegates, Joe Biden with 54. Okay. Wow. So tomorrow's really going to tell. Buttigieg, Buddha, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. Yeah. Best thing about him dropping out is we don't have to try to pronounce his last name anymore unless he, had, he gets a VP slot. We'll see. He had 26 delegates. 20. He had 26. So if those go to Biden. Does he gift those to someone know. now? How really, does that work? I don't know. We should know more about that does because he get people are probably asking those? that question. Does he get to count those off on his taxes? That's really all I want to know. <laughs> I donated 26 delegates. Look, if he gives those to Biden, Biden would have 80 right now. He'd be the leader. Yeah. So sleepy, creepy Joe Biden <laughs> likes to touch little kids. He does. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen this happen before. Multiple compilation videos. <laughs> don't, don't look up, you know, people touching kids compilation videos on YouTube. You will get banned immediately. But most of them will be of Joe Biden. They're I'm all, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, part part of the problem about doing this live is we can't even take that out now that we said that. It's, no, it's, it's there. It's a joke and it's funny. Yeah, and it's good. that's what it's all about. So do you think... What, do you want an update on the Republican primary? <laughs> Who's winning that? Uh, yeah. So far, Donald Trump. Okay. 80, 86 delegates. Bill Weld, although Bill Weld does have one delegate. One delegate so, so far. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's. Uh, I didn't even realize there were two other people. Well, I knew about Joe Walsh. He's got zero. But did you know there was a, a Roca de la Fuente? No, I did yeah. not know that. Neither did anyone else, I don't think. No, this guy looks kind of like uh, Trump's brother with okay. less hair. Less hair. Anyway. Probably the same amount of hair. He just hasn't done whatever Trump did to the top of it. I think the new qualification, considering Pete Buttigieg dropped out, is that you have to be over 70 years old to run for president. He realized he was far too young. Yes. Far too young to be president. He's like half the age. You got to be at least 70 or you got to be at least someone who's like Barack Obama. You know, I'm not even sure he was rich enough. Either. No, not enough money. He had a lot of people with money behind him, but, but his net worth wasn't high enough. You have to, I think, you have to at least be a millionaire, which you, allows Bernie to stay in it. That's that's the criteria <laughs> for staying. And now Tom Steyer also did drop out. So the whole this whole money idea, I don't know about that, but he did drop out uh, as well this weekend. So we're down to five, I believe, five Bo- candidates. Bloomberg holding strong though. You think he's going to show anything in? No, tomorrow. Super no, I don't Tuesday? think so. No, I still I obviously have to eat my own words, but I'm sticking to my prediction that somehow Bloomberg comes ahead after Super Tuesday tomorrow. Do you think that do you think Mayor Pete dropped out to try and get some more of those moderate votes towards Joe Biden? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. To, to somebody. I have a conspiracy theory for you. What's that? You know, Elizabeth Warren, she's been involved with these these corporations and making all this money for a long time now. And here she comes just far left, far leftist. You know, she's she's uh, she's basically Bernie Sanders only in Native American form. And here she is talking about all these things. And it really doesn't seem like I don't, I don't believe her. I don't think anyone else believes her either. I, if I were to create a conspiracy theory based on Elizabeth Warren, here's what we know. If Elizabeth Warren dropped out, there would be no question that Bernie Sanders would have no resistance in his way of being the nominee because she is pulling the percentage that she's pulling is from people who I believe would otherwise vote for Bernie Sanders because they're looking for that hard left. 
They're taking a hard left. They're all on a NASCAR track, and it's not sharp enough for them whatsoever. So they're trying to go hard left, and here she is. What's up? What? Yeah, I don't know what that means. You're pointing. I don't know what that means. Sorry. Yeah. Camera. Yes. What about it? Is it on you? Is your camera on me? <clears throat> no, is your camera on yes. you? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. It is. Yeah. I really do. I'm sorry. I got to wipe my nose. I'm go by, go wipe your nose. So, give me a second. So my conspiracy theory on this would be that Elizabeth Warren, while maybe she's talking hard left, is here to pull support away from Bernie Sanders because it's clear that she's not going to win. It's clear that she's not going to get the nomination whatsoever but here she is she's still there she's sucking what, 13 percent away 10 13 percent away from bernie sanders and those are votes that i believe would otherwise go towards him do you think that there have been some conversations between elizabeth warren and the dnc between any of those people who have said liz i know that you're a liar but we need you to stay in we need you to stay in through all the primaries because if you go out, there's no question Bernie is going to just blow this thing out of the water in the primary. And she's the only thing standing between Sanders getting just a, an insane amount of the votes in, in relation to Joe Biden's delegates, I believe. I think it's both. So do you, do you well, think she's here? You know, the reason she hasn't dropped out is because those people are saying, no, Liz, stay in. We want you to stay in. Here's some money. We want you to keep running because if she went out, there's just no question on Super Tuesday. I think Bernie Sanders sweeps every single one of them. Well, I think it's a couple things. One, the Democrats kind of have to keep a woman. Yeah, that's true. In the race. Yeah. Because they're for equality, yeah. right? Yes. They don't want to see, they don't want to be seen as a party that only has rich white guys yeah. leading, although that's what's happening. Yeah. And then the second thing is, I think both Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth was told to stay in and Buttigieg was told to 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 kick the boot. Yeah, that's what he was told. So how boot, boot that. And that's so <laughs> and that is so maybe Joe Biden can have a chance. Another yeah. another opportunity. Hell, I think they would take Bloomberg over Bernie. You right think now. you think the establishment yeah. would? Yeah, mm -hmm. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, nobody sure. actually wants communism. Well, I don't, I don't, I think all those people want communism like deep down. That's what they want. But I think they know it has no chance of winning this election. Uh, in my opinion, I think they know that if Bernie Sanders is the DNC nominee, he's going to lose in a landslide there. I don't see any, I don't see any chance that that doesn't happen. So that, that's just my conspiracy theory. If we're going to talk shop on politics right there, I think that might be what's happening. I don't know. Do do you secretly want Bernie to win the D, the the nominee just to stick it to the Democrats? Well, you know, there's, and then hopefully Trump beats them. There's or there's part of that. What's what's your dark side saying? So you know, I I think it's not so secret. Trump knows that he's going to just smash Bernie. Like he he's just gonna he's gonna take him out easily if Bernie is the nominee. And if you look at if you look at Trump's tweets, to me, it's clearly obvious that he's pointing to that. He keeps talking about how Bernie Sanders is getting screwed over by the DNC. He keeps talking all these things about Bernie. 
And it looks to me as if Bernie is the person he wants to be running against. If you were to go through his tweets in regards to Bernie. Could, I feel like it would be easy debate. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's fairly easy. Um, I think that... I, you know, Trump's not against saying crazy things like, if I were president, you'd be in jail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, look, at Bernie's people, they literally call him for gulags. You know, Bernie's ideology uh, throughout history has killed 100 million people. Like, this is not like Trump is the kind of person who will get up there and say some things like that, where in the Democratic debates, they're all still throwing softballs that you got Mike Bloomberg, who said, we got a millionaire socialist with three houses. You know, what am I missing here? You know, he he throws that out. But and nobody says anything. You know, I was listening to your your episode the other day on the latest Democratic debate, which you can go back and listen to Nate by himself. This is obviously his show. Yeah, I was this out is- of town. And so Nate uh, took it upon himself in the liberty and freedom that he has to record the latest recap of yeah. the latest debate and uh was that one in south carolina maybe? uh yes yeah and so i was listening to that by the way and you were totally right thank you like always that's a, in the show and, right now that's all we got to hear yeah right yeah and, and what you were saying was is that no one's actually challenging bernie when it comes to the democratic primary really i mean some of the candidates are kind of going after them but no, none of the anchors Nobody asking the questions or asking any hard questions at all. And that's you know? from, you know, I listened to Ben Shapiro just to get up on my my political news really well. And he's just been asking, like, when is someone going to ask Bernie? Do you think that pri- private property should exist? Do you think human beings have a right to own property? Right. Just answer that basic philosophical question. Well, because they did that to Ron Paul. Yeah. Remember, they were like, oh, do you what what income tax rate should we have? Or, yeah. You know, do you really think that if we didn't have Medicare, how would people be taken care of? Like they ask some simple questions like they're trying to ask those gotcha questions. Yeah. Yeah. Why not to burning? Why not? Yeah. I, I, why won't they do it? I don't know. I, I don't know why they won't. And. When that comes to the general election, when we're only talking between Bernie and Trump, these questions are going to come out. The DNC knows this. That's why they are so scared of Bernie, because it's not you can say he's got skeletons in his closet, but they're not even in the closet. I mean, the videos have been going around for years. Everyone's been talking about it. And these are going to become amazing campaign commercials. Bernie talking positively about Cuba. Bernie talking about the Sandinistas rising up. He's going to be talking about how beautiful Russia was. Oh, look, the, their architecture and their public transportation was amazing. While he was in Russia, their poverty rate was 40%. 40% of the country was in poverty. He comes back and talks about their architecture and their, chi- their, their youth programs. You know, that's what he talks about. We're sitting here in the U.S. and our poverty rate's 12 percent and he can't say a single positive word whatsoever. He gets back in the Soviet Soviet Union where their poverty rate's almost four times as high. And all he does is talk about positive stuff. These are going to be amazing campaign commercials for Trump to to run. And the DNC knows that. He's just going to smoke them. Oh, yeah. Not even going to be. I I, honestly don't think anybody holds a chance. Anybody that's left besides Bloomberg. I. He's the only one that I think has a legit shot at beating Trump. Yeah. I think Trump is the only one. If Trump runs against Bernie, Trump wins 45 states at least. I'd say 45 states is what he's going to win. So I I just don't see that it's even he's going to win every single swing state. I think Bernie is going to win your typical California, Illinois, New York, Vermont, you know, a couple of the, you know, very, very highly socialist states, maybe Connecticut, 
some things like that. Trump's going to just kill him in all the swing states. And so, yeah, maybe the not quest, physically kill. him. He's not going to kill him. No. I don't think so. Although he might make a joke about how he could kill him and all of his supporters would still support him. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, Trump's going to just completely destroy him in this election if, if that is who he's running against. So if you're someone who wants the Republican candidate to win over the Democratic candidate, well, you could make the case that you want Bernie Sanders to win the primary, because I think that is the absolute surest path to victory for Trump. The easiest opponent. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you said, I think if it's Bloomberg, someone like that, he's maybe going to have a couple issues. We'll see. But, uh, you know, we t- we talked about this a little bit with our interview with the Lions Liberty guys. Uh, if you missed that, go back and listen to Friday's episode. A, a good conversation. But you mentioned something to the essence of, you know, did you ever imagine that we would see something like this in our lifetime? Yeah. You know, the, the past couple presidential races, you had, you know, Bush and uh, what's the conspiracy uh, climate hoax guy? Oh, Al Gore. Al Gore. Yeah. You know, you had that. <laughs> Then you had um, Obama winning, and there was Mitt Romney, and those kind of people just seemed like your typical middle of the road politician status quo. Yeah, yeah. Now we've had Trump for four years, which relatively hasn't been a horrible president. He hasn't been fantastic. It was interesting to hear the Lions of Liberty guys saying, especially um, Brian, not Mark, was saying that. Yeah, Brian, uh, not Mark. You know, yeah. answer answer the question. Has Trump been the most libertarian president in your lifetime? And if, Technically you, if speaking, you went through the policies, now Reagan was president for a year while, while I was alive, but Reagan was not a perfect libertarian president by any means. So if you answered the question, has Trump been the most libertarian president that we've had in my lifetime? I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that it's good. But the answer to that question is probably yes. It probably is. It's crazy. That's not, I'm not sitting here telling everyone to go vote for him or anything like that. But if you answer the question, has this been the worst presidency we've ever seen and we have to get him out of here? And obviously there's so many other better options that are going to be on the ticket. Um, it, it, this has not been the worst presidency we've ever had to live through. If you can handle all of the annoying SJW freak out online. Now, so. now take that in consideration and then also Bernie Sanders being on the rise. I mean, did we ever think that you would have a a populist right-leaning candidate versus a populist socialist candidate? I mean, is America in the cycle of heading towards a crumbling empire? Well, it's it's interesting because we talked about that on that episode and I said I never thought that I would see someone who was an outright socialist. He put the word democratic in front of it. That doesn't mean anything. Um, Still self-proclaimed. He's he's a socialist, uh, has said all the things he said in the past, has all these views that he has. It's like I'd never really considered that this would be some type of a mainstream option. But then again, everything that we've been talking about and the direction that the country is heading and the education of all the young people and everything that's going on in the colleges, all that, well, really it would point directly in the direction that we're, that we're in right now that, that Bernie Sanders would be your mainstream candidate. Why wouldn't he be the mainstream candidate? That's the direction we've been heading for a while. And in fact, we'll be talking about here, here in a little bit, uh, we, we might, in fact, already be living in democratic socialism. I think we have. 
I was posting on our Facebook a year ago. One of those uh, Steven Crowder memes where it says, change my mind. You know, I said, we are already living in democratic socialism, and that's the problem. Change my mind. Did anybody change your mind? No one changed my mind okay. on that. But that was a good meme, then. Yeah, it, that's true. Yeah, no one was able to change my mind. You know, I heard from uh, a 21-year-old college student not that long ago, and I'm not going to name names on this one, but um, they were talking about voting for Bernie because Bernie promised to pay student loans, and that was the only yeah. issue. Yeah. That was that was literally that they know nothing else about politics but the fact that they didn't want to pay their student loans. The the and you, that you have a bill and you don't want to pay it. And right. he said he's going to pay it. That's it. And this this whole idea that this democratic socialism, this super far left, eventually tyrannical operation that Bernie's running, that everyone is disguising as compassion. It's completely, it's way more self-interested than capitalism ever is. Well, yeah. And the, well, and it's, er, well, maybe not more self-interested. E everything but, is self-interested, but it, it doesn't have it, the right incentive structure inside of it. And it but, doesn't lead yeah. to the results that capitalism leads to. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it just amazes me. And it requires capitalism to even exist in the first right, place. What right. money are you going to spread out? You have to be really rich before you can ever yeah. actually What money are you consider? talking about? Oh, we'll use the 1% money for this and we'll use the rich people's money for this. What if none of that money existed? Like right. You're sitting here talking about all these things we should have. Well, that's what the question you should ask. How did they get rich? What about the system that created the money in the first place? Right. The, isn't that important? Shouldn't should we, should we, we consider? Figure, should we figure out how they got rich to begin with? Yeah. Don't and then you be like, let's do more of that. We should have more of that. If you want to have a conversation about all these welfare programs, you need to have a conversation about what's going to create the money that's going to fund all of well, those. Nate, it was obviously greed. That's just greed. That's how they got the money. <laughs> well, greed and force and monopolies. It was monopolies. That's right, what it was. Right. They Pillaging just, and raping exactly. of villages. I There's so many villages in Montana right now, just all kinds yeah. of pillage going on. Now, I never went to the... <laughs> I never went to the media about it because I just didn't want the attention. But the day that Jeff Bezos came over to my house and tied me down uh, to my to my table and put, you know, where is this going? Tied me down and said, start your Amazon account right now or I'm not leaving, you know, and forced me to buy my Amazon subscription to where I would buy everything from there. That was a life-changing point. I never went to the news about it or the police because, you know, I just didn't think they would do anything. But well, obviously they, they're that's, all working for Bezos. Obviously, obviously, that's how Bezos has been able to get everyone <laughs> to sign up for Amazon was through force. That's how he was yeah. able to do it. You know, no, it's not because anyone freely chose to go sign up for that yeah. because they decided that was a better option than what they were doing right now. That's not it. Well, no, it's he, monopoly. His only incentive, Nate... For creating a more efficient, cheaper, um, more aesthetically pleasing system of a way to buy goods and services. His only motivation for that was greed. That's it. And it doesn't matter if people have a more efficient, more aesthetically pleasing, better run, cheaper system to buy goods and services from. It doesn't matter that everybody benefits from it because no. his motivation was greed. Therefore, we have to destroy there, it. Therefore, it has to be destroyed. Yeah, we got to we got to get rid of that. <laughs> we got to knock that out. Yeah, that's the problem. The greed is the basis for and no one ever no one wants to admit this. You'll disagree with this as you listen to it on the podcast. Greed is the basis for almost every decision that you make. Self-interest 
is the basis for every decision that you make. And if Bezos's uh, entire goal was to become the world's richest person, he had to construct a system where he created something that everyone wanted and that they would decide was the best option for them and they would all freely give their money towards that system. It doesn't matter if he's the greediest person in the world. Thomas Sowell put it really, really well in one of his newest books. One of his books I was just listening to, uh, Economics, Economic Facts and Fallacies. It's a good book. Uh, you guys should go check it out. It's like a, a quarter the length of basic economics. So it's, a, it's an easier read. He said, you can be the greediest person in the world and it won't change your income or your wealth by one cent if you're not, basically, if you're not producing something that other people want. If other people are not willing to pay you that money, you could be the world's greediest person that's ever existed. And it doesn't change anything at all, unless you can use some type of government force to extract that money from people without their permission. That's the problem. That's the incentive structure that there is inside of socialism, inside of the free market, inside of capitalism. The incentive structure is, okay, people are greedy. People want power. They want money. Therefore, they have to produce something that other people will freely exchange their money for. And that way you can become rich if that's your goal. Inside of socialism, that is not the incentive. The incentive is to get power. The incentive is to pass laws, to forcefully take the money from people. That's the incentive. You don't have to provide things that people want. You don't have to provide a better service than other people are, than other people are providing. You don't have to compete. And human beings are lazy. We don't really like trying to make things that much better if there's no benefit. Go use a government website. Go get on the DMV's website and see how easy it is to order new plates or do your registration or do something like that. It's not. It's not. I was on, I've been on TDS, which is what I have to use for internet. I've got two options at my house for internet, not because there's not any other companies, because those are the only two companies that the government has permitted to provide internet service on at my address. That's the reason I only have two options. Their website is completely ridiculous. It looks like they made it in 1995 and said, all right, that's good, fire the internet department, we don't need them anymore. So they made it in 1995. It's completely unusable. It's like being on the, it's like being on the DMV website. You can't change your plan. I couldn't even figure out what plan I had. I spent two hours on their website trying to figure out the plan I had that I was paying for. And it's simply because they exist in a system where the government has not issued a permit to allow any company that wants to send me internet to send me internet. They've gone and they've bought that, that section and said, oh, you've only got the option to get TDS or Comcast. I've got a choice of hell or whatever's worse than hell. Those are my two choices when it comes to getting internet. And that's only because... But it was all for your good, Nate. That's a government enforcement. Not, yeah, because if I had too many options, well, I mean, that would just be... That would be terrible. They'd have to compete. They'd have to make sure that their websites were better. And that's what Bernie provide. says, by the way. He's like, yeah. why do we need 20 different kinds of deodorant? Yeah, we don't need those. That's Come on, just, we just need one. That's just waste. We just need deodorant brand deodorant. <laughs> that's what we need. It it deodorizes things. And what's the incentive to ever make that better at, at all? That's the problem. Having all these brands is 
is amazing. It's it it means that people keep trying to create something better and beat out their competition. And even if some businesses get knocked out, guess who always wins every single time in this situation? Who wins, Charles? Well, the people. That's who wins every single time in that situation because not, they keep getting better and better and cheaper and more efficient all the time. But it's just not necessary. I guess. Who cares if it's necessary? <laughs> None of the stuff is necessary. Okay. None of these things are necessary. A cell phone is not necessary. Technically, deodorant's not really necessary. Deodorant's it's not ne- de- you know nice many, to have. You know how many thousands of years we went without deodorant? Deodorant's not even necessary. Not not one bit. Could use a lemon. Yeah. You don't need it at all. We have it because it, it's a luxury. I mean, is that one of the things we're airdropping to people in Africa right now? Because they can't go without it? No, it's not a necessity. Okay, none of it is. So it's a. It just depends on what your your priorities are. And this is one thing we get into all the time, which is your mindset, like your your mindset and what your priorities are. We talked about it with the Lions Liberty guys on Friday. It's like people are willing to spend fifty thousand dollars on a car or a truck. You know, you want the Tesla, you want the BMW, the Mercedes, the Tundra. You want the Ford Raptor. You want to get new wheels and tinted windows and all that stuff. You're perfectly capable and fine taking out a massive loan and spending at least thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on a car. Yeah. But lo and behold, you get life flighted. Yeah. Safely. And you you're kept alive. And, and it, you're you're taken to a, a facility where they could actually perform like miracle level surgery. They provide a service where a helicopter can save your life. Now, what kind of world is that? Yeah. I mean, good. Those things are death traps. And Some, we all know it. I'm not getting one ever again. Something that literally defies gravity flies through the air. <laughs> a miracle. And you're saying $50,000 for a miracle. That's too much. Too much money, man. Ah, someone, I'd rather be dead. Someone, you, you'll you go pay, you'll go spend two or $300,000 on a house that has too many bedrooms, is too nice and too new, has too many amenities. But if someone literally removes your heart from your body and puts in another heart inside of your body and you get to keep living for a long time after that and they charge you what you would have paid for a house that you didn't need, well, then that is just completely ridiculous. Isn't too much. It? Too much money for that. No, I I wanted a house. I wanted the how am I supposed to have a house now that I'm alive? Wait, hold on. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's the problem. It's, it's that's the thing. I just <laughs> I can't get past that notion. Uh, but the, what what everybody wants is you want the highest possible class of lifestyle you could possibly get. For no cost. No cost. That's what you want. Yeah. You want the miracle science, the miracle procedures. You want all of that. And you want everybody else to pay for it. And you you think, uh, you you know, having this high class of lifestyles a guaranteed. It's like none of that's guaranteed in life. So you have to you have to think about things in a sense of, as Milton Friedman said, in the sense of proportion. Get, you've got to get your priorities in line. Check out this tweet. Someone said taxation is theft. Of course, that popped up in my Twitter feed. Someone responded. Which is right. Correct. Also theft. Here's what they said. The cost of prescription drugs. The cost of your cable bill. The cost of an oil change. The cost of a month of your cell phone and internet. But those are private companies, so libertarians don't care about that. But like... What type of brain defects do people have to have to actually think that that needed to be tweeted out and that it made any sense whatsoever? I'm sorry. 
what is act what in the actual f is happening inside of that person's head i just don't get it man well theft listen theft is when someone takes something from you without your permission it's not voluntary they take it from you it was yours and they take it forcefully from you that's what has to be theft now then they're going to talk about your cable bill is theft your cell phone bill is theft an oil change bill is theft Uh, man things you voluntarily paid for so i asked the person i said so what what do you work what do you do every day for free what do you work for for free every single day since you think that charging money for something is is theft like what do you i assume you work for free every single day right that's what you do you never require payment at all no response of course the the, the people don't like their ideas to be challenged whatsoever no but those things aren't theft they're voluntary those things are, are, are not a necessity other than the price of prescription drugs, and we've completely screwed up that market so much to the point to where we have the situation we have right now. The drug market is not a free market whatsoever. If it were a free market, we wouldn't even need the FDA. It wouldn't be there. We wouldn't need the regulations. You can't list me off 100,000 regulations and then tell me that the problem's a free market. But then we got oil changes, your cable bill, your cell phone bill. What are you saying? That all those things should be provided to you for free? That that and like the fact that you even get to have yeah. an oil change because you have a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how much that's privilege a, do you have? That's the problem. We, you know, I, I see these these slow motion commercials with Sarah McLaughlin playing, playing in the background from these places in Africa. And it's the fact that these people's oil, their engines are locking up because they can't get oil changes. <laughs> That's the problem. And I feel having. so bad for them. <laughs> I just want to start dropping oil on the people. <laughs> That's not. That's not what I want to do. But good, good lord, like, like Charlie just said, and, and from Friedman, you got to have a sense of proportion here. But then, if you were to work it out rationally, like you're saying, those are theft. Therefore, you're saying you shouldn't have to pay for them. Therefore, you're saying people should perform those tasks and either one you believe in slavery that that's one side of that you you think that people should work to provide you things without you having to give them something of value in return for it or you think other people's money should go towards that but how did those other people get that money so you got to be able to work this out through a, a more than one step of the process if you're saying that the one percent they should pay for your oil change and your cable bill, how's the 1% going to have any money if no one's paying for anything? They, they act like this is just an endless cycle of money that, that never stops and that never had to be created. It, it's, it's not logical. It's not rational. It, it just doesn't work. Well, Nate, there's always going to be a 1%. Yeah, always. There's a 1% in Africa too, by the way. Yeah. They're there. There's a 1%, the 10%. 1% doesn't mean that you're rich at all. Of course, the 1% mm-hmm. in the countries in Africa I've been into were the people that lived in the government, that worked inside of the government. Those are the 1%. The rest of the people were begging me for water when I went outside. That, that was the rest of the people, and the 1% lived in the giant palace. So the, you can have that if that's what you want to have, but I guess. Not here, though. Not now. That's not what we're going to have. All right, Charlie. So tell me about this article I sent you earlier. I read it last night and uh, lost some sleep over it. I'm not going to lie. Talking about how we've already got socialism and we love it. This is the point of the article, by the way. Socialism is here and we love it, Charlie. Yeah. 
then what is everyone talking about? Uh, yeah, what are they so <laughs> why, upset about? Why are we complaining? Why is Bernie bringing a revolution? This is coming from anlandmanblog.com, <laughs> which is uh, apparently the tagline is, what's really going on in Western Colorado? <laughs> so if you want to know what's really going on, socialism's already here and we love it. Yeah. Well, how about that? This is posted the day before Valentine's Day. Glad it came out right before the day of love. <laughs> It was about something that we all love. This lady says here, I think it's a lady, name being Anne. I'm assuming her gender because that's how terrible of a person I am. Yeah, you're just a, I don't know what you are. Can you call me a misogynist for that? Well, Well, I don't know how that works. Against women if I'm a misogynist. Hmm, Well, we don't know she's a woman, though. Definitely bigoted. Just bigoted, basically. I'm full on bigot. That's it, yeah. Anyway, she, she says here, I was going to take a clip of you saying, I'm full on bigot. Just put it up on our page. (laughs) Many people fear socialism, but that's because they misunderstand what it actually is. Well, many people actually misunderstand what socialism is, but that doesn't mean that's why they fear it. Yeah. But anyway, democratic socialism already exists at all levels of our government. And not only do we love it, we can't do without it. And when it's threatened, we even fight tooth and nail to keep it. Now, why would you fight the record label tooth and nail? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Eddie, that's an inside joke for all you music people out there. But but uh, this is already patently false right here. Yeah. Um, no, we don't love democratic socialism. We rail against it all the time. Well, that's it. And every single thing that we're about to list that she lists here. Um, no, we don't love it. And we can do without it. And when it's threatened, we don't fight tooth and nail. This page is already coming from a pro-socialism stance and is already saying that we've already got democratic socialism and everyone loves it. So I'm trying to figure out why we would need to be having all these arguments about going towards democratic socialism. Right. (laughs) Why do we need to go further? Yeah. In the U.S., we collectively tax ourselves. We do. I don't, it doesn't seem collective to me. To pay for programs and projects that benefit quality of life for society as a whole. Do they? That's a form <laughs> of socialism and it's how we live. Let me, I'll run through some of these examples that they put out. Examples of socialism are local police, public libraries, fire departments, garbage collection, public schools, social security, Medicare, farmer subsidies. Federally funded student loans and grants. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, Military, which actually might be correct. Uh, The EPA, the FDA, the OSHA, bridges, sewer systems, uh, drainage systems, water systems. Flint's doing well with that one. The VA. Oh, Veterans Administration. Yeah. Snow removal from streets, roads, and highways. That's that's its own department, actually. Who would have ever... (laughs) Who would have ever been able to do that? Yeah. Public in, in, uh, I don't know why I can't say this public immunization programs, the U S postal service, because there's nobody competing to deliver your packages. They're so good. Um, national parks, the U S mint, the federal deposit insurance, the fed, by the way, is a private company. Just so you know, technically, uh, the inspection of meat, because you would never know what spoiled meat was unless you had it inspected. And you've never received any type of meat that was tainted whatsoever since we have the inspection of meat, yeah. have you? Free job training programs, FEMA, embassies, uh, the elimination of diseases like typhoid, polio, smallpox, and yellow fever. 
Ah, that that was socialism. All of this was socialism. Yeah, nobody nobody yeah. in the private market developed any vaccines for any of that stuff. Uh, the National Institutes of Health Research, whatever. She lists all this stuff. We're about to destroy it. Anyway, no one individual or private company could ever do all of this. No one could do it. No one could. That's why we needed NASA, because no one could go to space. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. SpaceX, Blue Horizon Origin, whatever it's called. Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Whatever, Virgin Galactic <laughs> yeah. Atlantic, whatever they're called. Yeah. Socialism. No one could ever do it. We needed socialism. Yeah. None of these activities generate a profit either. No, they don't. Which is why government should never be run like a business since businesses are dependent on making profits to survive. You're reading from the article right now. Not, yes. Not, not saying this. Yeah. I'm reading. <laughs> oh, I've, I'm still animated. Yeah. Yeah. The reason we have government is because government can do what people cannot do for themselves individually to improve our quality of life and assure our safety. Oh, man. What would we ever do without government? Uh, again, from the article, that's socialism. And there is clearly a large component of it in our society already. The taxpayer funded government operated public programs listed above and many others are responsible for the extraordinarily high quality of life we enjoy as Americans. That is why paying taxes is a patriotic act, act, and it's what really makes America great. Paying taxes is a patriotic act. Now, just to attack what at, really makes America let's great. Attack I mean. this from the bottom up. <laughs> Being patriotic to uh, to America, I I would love for the people who started America to read that last line. And say, ooh, paying taxes is a patriotic act, and that's what really makes America great. And then they would they would rise up and and they would put that person on a boat and send them back to England. Like that that's what would happen. Right. If they saw that. So like the idea first off that taxes are patriotic when we have an entire country that was formed because of a two percent tax that, that England put on something on is completely idiotic. Uh, th- that idea is just not going to work whatsoever this whole article is just mind-boggling how somebody can get to this point i know and the fact that you think no one individual or private company could ever do anything that the government does is so completely false yeah because Because the private market on every single one of these things that she has listed even the military there's a private market in the military yeah as, as done better, has proven to be better well, than the government ever could be. Well, we rely on private companies to even manufacture all of the military equipment that we use. You know, the, go- the government doesn't have, they're not the ones running all of those factories and government factories. They're private companies doing that. Yeah, Lockheed Martin. That, that a massive profit for them. <clears throat> Radon, you know? all of these <laughs> Raytheon, places. yeah. Radeon, sorry. Raytheon. Raytheon. Jesus, Lord, I'm not invested in the military industrial complex, you're obviously. You're not. But I do know Blackwater, which they had to change their name. I yeah, think, they're right? gone. They're not. They're not Blackwater anymore. But anyway, I'll go through some of these, and we combated this earlier. And then Nate, you had a good point during uh, the pre-show. I'm not sure if it actually got recorded, but you and I were discussing this, and uh, must have been pre-pre-show. Yeah, you got to um, pay extra. Yeah, the, on Patreon for that the, one's a lot for the pre-pre-show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, local police. Uh, there's private security out there, by the way. Lots of it. Uh, public libraries. Amazon was built off of selling books. Yeah. And there's still many bookstores out there. Well, just how often are you going to your public library to do things? Yeah. And my wife was just talking. We were talking about how when we first moved to Nashville, we were really poor. 
you know, not doing well at all. Literally, we were, I mean, you did it too, selling plasma to pay bills. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's, that was the extent of the poorness, but we lived in the apartment complex. And of course, uh, down in the office, they had computers that were connected to the internet. So you didn't even have, we didn't even have a computer. We were talking about that last night when we moved to Nashville. One, we didn't even have, we didn't have smartphones and we didn't have a computer. And this was 10 years ago. We didn't have smartphones or computers. We would go down to the office at the apartment complex and use the internet that they had. I mean, it, but of course we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of the public library, I guess. Yeah. That, that's what There's that no is. There's no way we yeah. could have ever got, no way, no way we could have ever done it. Yeah. Without the public library, um, fire departments, there are private fire departments. There was all kinds of volunteer ones. Tons. I used to go to fire. My dad was a uh, fire chief for a while when I was growing up and a fire department completely made up of volunteer people. They weren't getting paid. They had the radios with them all the time and they would show up at the fires when they would happen. And the idea, the really weird idea to me is that we see that in small towns where there's not a whole lot of people say, so you have all these people who will, even in a small town, you'll have enough people who will learn how to fight fires and use all these, all of this very complicated equipment to fight fires. And they will, they will do that. But the idea that if you had a big city that you wouldn't also have thousands of people that would volunteer to be on the fire department. I don't understand how that computes. I don't understand how you can get yourself enough people for a small town, but when it gets up to a big town, you would not be able to get a list of volunteers together enough to do that. And then not even uh, whether or not you would pay a $10 a month subscription for your fire service. Right. Why does it have to be taxed? Then it comes down to priorities at that time. What other, what things are you paying 10 bucks a month for? Yeah. Your would one of them be if your taxes were reduced or gone, would you choose a $10 a month fire protection subscription? I still believe that if we had free market in the fire department realm, our houses would be built nearly fireproof anyway. I think all houses by this time would have sprinkler systems built into the walls. They would have all kinds of everything would be done in fireproofing. You'd save on your, your insurance house. costs. You'd save on your insurance. They would have these fireproofing systems easily built in. They're already built into businesses and rich people put them in their homes and things like that, where if there's a fire, the, the system can go off. If there were free markets in the fire department realm, I think that would be much more prevalent that that, that, that would pop up, that people's houses would be able to extinguish themselves by now. I know that's crazy. I know that's a crazy idea, it's, but you know what? So was the airplane. <laughs> so there's a, there's a way to do it. Trust me. Let me go to one of my favorites here. The Veterans Administration and Veterans Medical Centers and Hospitals. Isn't that one of the best? So oh, good. it's just that system runs flawlessly. There's we What love we it. need is more VAs. Remember, the title is Socialism is Already Here and We Love It. Yeah, that, yeah. this is a good one. You never see any complaints from anyone on any of these systems whatsoever about how terrible they are about how terrible their services are, about how they're underfunded, about how the people who work within them are not getting paid enough. You never hear any complaints about these systems whatsoever. Every one of these systems, these are all well known as the best run, most efficient and highest value quality systems that we have in our entire country. Water systems, drainage systems, sewer systems, FEMA 
You yeah. know, in Puerto Rico, they weren't hiding anything in a warehouse. They weren't rationing no. goods or and anything like that. That FEMA was, they were there for you. I could do a whole conversation about about <laughs> FEMA. I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's a risk that you take on when you decide to live in an area that clearly gets hurricanes every year or every couple of years or every few years. Don't act like it isn't there. And without FEMA, without that free money getting sent towards you, where you only had to buy private insurance, you would have to make the decision whether or not that insurance was worth it or you needed to live somewhere else that didn't get destroyed by a hurricane every couple of years. There's a story that John Stossel tells um, that is actually in basic economics where he put a house on the ocean, just, you know, maybe a hundred feet away from the ocean. And his dad told him, why, why are you moving that close to the ocean? Like it, it's going to flood. It's going to get blown away by a hurricane. And he said, well, it doesn't worry. The, it doesn't matter. FEMA, they'll just build me a new house. Who cares? Who cares if it gets blown away or if it gets flooded? They'll just build me a new house. No problem. And lo and behold, a big storm surge came through. His house got flooded. They built him a new, built him a new house. Lo and behold, he, he stayed there. It happened again a few years later. They built him a new house. And then he eventually ended up moving, probably out of just feeling immoral about doing it. <laughs> but that's the incentive structure. Whereas if he would have actually had to incur that risk, then you have to make some decisions at that point and whether or not it's smart for a human being to live in the path of a hurricane for the rest of their lives. I don't know if that's smart. I just don't. Well, it's nice. It's nice, Nate, though, when you can it live on good. the beach. Yeah. You have quick access. You can get down there. And then if anything bad happens, someone's there to bail you out. I'm not saying it's okay when people get, you know, hurt by hurricanes. I'm not saying that's okay. But when you look at a city like New Orleans, oh, let's build a city below sea level and we'll fill it up with millions of people. And uh, we'll just put this dam up here. We'll put this flood wall. It'll be fine. All that's good. Yep. Don't worry. Everything's good, you know? And then if it all gets destroyed, guess what? We'll just put a bunch of federal money towards it and rebuild all of it. And we'll all just sit here again until we can complain about the next time it happens. Until it's, Lily comes up. You just got to ask. You just got to ask what the incentive structure is that this stuff has. So sorry. I, I cut in on FEMA, but no, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. just, I'm just going through the list Social of all Security's of these things. on here, Charlie. Social Security. Well, this is where I was going to get to Social Security and Medicare, which they say people love, but it's not that people actually love these programs. It's the fact that they were duped into paying for it. So well, even, they're, they're forced now to pay into right. it. So even Republicans don't want their Medicare or Social Security benefits taken away from them because they paid what, into it exactly. their entire lives. That's what they don't want taken yeah. from them. They don't want taken what they paid in. But the system itself is absolutely terrible right now. Somebody commented, and it's actually higher than this, but I'll use his numbers, um, that in today's money, we have $50 trillion of unfunded liabilities inside of Medicare alone. Yeah. Now, if you look at inflation, the estimates are upwards of $120 trillion Well, because if you just for Medicare. If you project it out 50, 100 years, right. you're talking about 2% every year. $150 trillion that you're actually talking about in unfunded liabilities for your great-grandchildren. Exactly. So, the, so this is a, an issue. It's a broken system. So nobody, everybody just wants their money back. Yeah. That's actually what they want. They want the money that they paid in back, and we've already ran the math. We've already told you guys. If you were to just take 6% of your paycheck, on average, for the average person, uh, those who make more obviously would have more. Those who make less would have a little bit less. But if you invested it into a standard market return, 
you would have over a million dollars to pay for your head, to pay for your Medicare by the time you each reach the age of retirement. Yeah. Which what is retirement? I don't know. Who came up with that? That's another. I was one. listening to Jordan Pearson the other day. He's like, uh, you know, retirement used to be for you know the guys who worked in uh, the coal mines for forty years, and they came out with broken backs and black lung, and they retired because a few months later they were gonna die. Yeah. yeah. So that's when they retired. We've talked about this several it's- times. <laughs> the age that Medicare kicks in is above the life expectancy for the people that existed that enacted Medicare or yeah. Social Security. I'm sorry, Social Security. The age that Social Security kicks in is, what is it, 62, 65, something in there? 65. You were yeah. only supposed to live like two or three years after that. Yeah. Well, not even. When yeah. Social Security was enacted, the average lifespan was in the 50s still. Social Security was, is not a retirement plan. It was just in case you happened to live too long. <laughs> that's, that's all it was. It's not built to be a retirement plan. Your life and creating value and being smart with your money is supposed to be a retirement plan. Social Security were for, were for people. It was for people. Oh, Amy Klobuchar just dropped out. There we go. Just got Woo-hoo. a notification about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Drop it like flies. So Social Security was for the people who happened to live well above the average life expectancy for a human. It was not for every single person who ever got old to retire. That's not what the system was. If you were going to make Social Security relevant to 2020, it wouldn't kick in until you were 90 or 95. And it would be that would be the same plan that they enacted for Social Security. If you actually wanted to stay with what they enacted, then it would kick in when you're 90 or 95. And everyone would understand, well, that's not a retirement plan. I need to come up with something for retirement. That's what I need to do. But now we kept the age the same and we raised the life expectancy 30 years and now we've got a lot of people who expect that they're just going to retire on this. This is how good government is at managing all these systems. And everyone loves it. And every yeah, clearly this this yeah. is what this author says. Everyone loves it. That's what's going on in Western Colorado. By you the get way. a terrible return on your money for Social Security. It's it's like it's something like two percent that you that you actually get on the money that you that you put in the Social Security. You're going to live off of what is it thirteen hundred dollars max a month, fifteen hundred max a month off of that i think you actually lose money so you're going to be getting fifteen thousand dollars a month to live off of after paying into the system a year sorry to live off of after you paid into the system your entire life it you would have been so much better off if you would have been allowed to put that money instead of giving it to the government if you could have put it into a private investment account even if you started in the great depression by the way because i've ran all the numbers on every single year that we've had a stock market even if you started saving money a couple of years before the great depression you still would have came out with way more money than you put in like you're talking thousand percent gains on your money because you would have been putting in money during the great depression and then your money would have exploded after we got out of that so it's this idea that we love these systems they're just so good while we're also complaining that they suck at the same time and saying that we need to fix them i don't understand the ideology that that makes you think this way i i can't figure it out and i thought that the more we did this podcast the more i would understand the people that think like this the digger the the further we dig into this the deeper we dig into this the less I can understand what's happening in, happening in these people's brains. I, 
this is well it's it's purely self-interest it is that's what it is it's also a need for security is is what a lot of it is you want a guaranteed fire department and your guaranteed police department that everyone talks about hating all the time but you know most retirement that everyone says they hate most of the people that are like oh well you know i'm fine with paying a little bit more in taxes if that means everyone can get the care they need what they do is they disguise their greed as compassion and then the ones who say that most of them don't even pay any taxes yeah like oh well i'm fine i'm fine with my taxes going up well that's because 10 percent times zero is still zero still zero because you don't pay anything like half the country what you're saying is i'm fine for everyone else's taxes to go up because mine's going to remain the same and i get all the benefits i'd be fine with the 50 percent tax rate as long as i had all this stuff well guess what man you don't pay any taxes okay the bottom 50 percent average tax rate effective tax rate is three percent the bottom 20 percent is their effective tax rate is negative seven percent yeah sure all these people are fine with taxes going up they don't pay taxes they love it of course i'm fine with everyone else's taxes going up it'd be great why would i not be they got free public schools on here since when charlie when you pay money for something do you then put the word free in front of it i do not (laughs) understand that at all these free public schools that apparently need someone like castro to come in and fix our literacy rates so we can actually do a good job i think that's about the only option by now we need we need some type of cuban system where they line all the people up who can't read and kill them and then your literacy rate goes up so uh, too bad uh, he died yeah just yeah. too bad we Wish could we could bring him back we could really use you know bernie could make him his his literacy czar and <laughs> and could could put him in place maybe castro some of his kids could run the department of education and bernie's uh you know and bernie's administration yeah that way we can fix these free that you pay for public schools that are doing terrible where we pay more money than every other country besides switzerland per student and we get something like the 25th ranked results out of it and private schools if you're going to pay for a private school the money to send your kid to a really nice private school is less than what the government pays per student for free public education. On average. On average. Not saying there's not crazy expensive public schools. There are here in Nashville. Yeah. That's there's some really expensive private ones. ones. Yeah. But but on average, you know, even in Nashville, like in, in Lebanon, which isn't that so far out of Nashville, um, friend, I think it's Friendship Christian School has really high ratings. They do a good job. Good job. <laughs> that was and, a, almost a Trump impression right yeah, there. I know. Almost. They do a good job. <laughs> and uh, they're like $9,000 a year. Yeah. And the average that uh, the the federal government spends or the government spends on per student is like 14000 yeah. yeah. So that's $5,000 less and they have better outcomes, better scores. Imagine that. Now, because there are some schools in Nashville. It's like 20000 Because if you would have got on and their ratings were terrible, then you wouldn't send your kid there. Right. Therefore, they have to do a good job. You're not forced to send your kid to a certain school like they are in the public education system. So the private systems say, well, we need our ratings to be good. So let's do a good job at educating students. Let's get better all of the time. Actually, let's actually be affordable, too. Let's do that. Let's be competitive. Let's be competitive. Okay. Down at the bottom of this article, she said that none of these are things that a private company or any individuals could do. None of them. No, we need government to do it. There's no way that Bill Gates could invent a new technology that could completely destroy this entire climate crisis that we're all talking about, which he has. 
actually bill gates was like well i invented one and no one cared about it i guess i'll invent two ways we can completely solve the climate crisis see if i can get any headlines anyone will talk about it whatsoever hey i'll make a way that's cheaper than even getting fossil fuels i'll make it cheaper than fossil fuels that way we can't make the economic argument against it anymore no one cares at all this guy set aside $40 billion to solve a lot of the world's problems. Still has a, probably still got $40 billion, probably found a way to continue making money in that account. Probably still got $40 billion sitting in it, trying to solve these problems. Has solved them. And AOC wants to tell you that to solve climate change, we just got to have one 10-yearly payment of $93 trillion. And that's what we need to pay for. But... Bill Gates can invent new ways, the new nuclear technology with the traveling wave reactor and the solar mirror technology that can heat steel, melt melt steel, can actually manufacture things because he found a way to get solar mirrors up to 1,000 degree heat without using any fossil fuels for heat Well, whatsoever. it's like that person who wrote the article, it's Bezos' world now. Like yeah. He owns the earth. Like these... You know, if the governments would have just taken their money, they wouldn't be able to do all of these wonderful things that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. The government would be able to do it. No, they wouldn't because they'd spill it. They would spend Bill Gates's $40 billion in about six hours. That's that's so the thing. Like before you go to sleep tonight while well, we're recording this at like one o'clock yeah. p.m. I don't know what time you're going to listen to it. Six hours from now, 40 billion will be gone. That's what the that's what the U.S. government does. They so, spend about eleven, about eleven billion every single day. Is what they're is. I'm pretty sure is what they're spending. Well, four but four days. I calculated that it would take for all of Bill Gates's wealth. It would take the government eight days to spend it. For the amount of money that Jeff Bezos just put in the climate change, the government would spend that in about twenty hours. Uh, but it's Bezos's world now because he's put forward an amount of money that the government would spend in twenty hours. But it's his world now, yeah, for sure. He he's bought the world with ten billion dollars. There's it's no way buy. these it's a good purchase. private companies could ever do anything good, or these no. private individuals. Only government is the benevolent dictator of of society, and then and they're the only ones who bring up. But she also said we wouldn't have this quality of life. It's yeah. governments. You know, back in the day, it was your king and queen. They're the only they they gave you that quality of life. Now it's our beloved. Our beloved politicians in Washington, D.C., they're the ones that afford us this quality life. Yeah. Without them, none of this would have been invented. We wouldn't have Uber. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to have podcasting or the internet. Nothing. Cell phones. Any, anything like that. The quality computer. of life that we enjoy. Being able to, be, to float in the air and be life flighted <laughs> and have a miracle surgery performed on us. Not possible without the government. No, no possible way. The, yeah. the biggest logical inconsistencies here where this entire argument falls apart are on, on two things. One, she says that none of these things can be done profitably. Therefore, the government has to do it. They can't be done profitably. So the government has to do it. Now, that is describing a system that is not uh, what you, sustainable whatsoever. It's not sustainable because she's saying that these things aren't profitable, we're going to lose money doing them. So automatically, you're saying that we will always spend more than the value that we're taking in to be able to do this. If it were less, if we were spending less and getting a higher value from it, well, then the private companies would be, that's profit. That's what profit is. So they'd be able to do it. So therefore, we're, we're always going to spend more than the amount of value we're going to get back in return for these items. That is not sustainable. 
over time because you're making the argument clearly that since these aren't profitable, you will come out at a negative forever. Eventually, a negative forever will get to zero. That will get, and then it'll just be negative, and that's bad. That's like there's Africa, like negative. If you keep if you keep going that way, so she's already explaining that these things aren't sustainable. That's why the private businesses don't do them. We've already talked about the fact that private businesses do do them, and they do them better than the government does them. But we'll we'll excuse that for a minute. We'll excuse that idea, but. It's not a sustainable model where you're explaining that we're always going to spend more than the value that we're going to be returned from, and we have to do this every single year. That is a pathway down to zero, down, down to nothing. So these things have to be done in a, profitable, in a profitable way. And then you have to ask the question, all of these things, what would any of these things, how would any of them be uh, paid for? How would any of them be paid for, if not from the money that is created inside of capitalism. Because socialism, she just said, doesn't create any money. She just said it down there, doesn't create any money. Yeah, that's She literally said that. So therefore, we have to take from the profit of the other businesses to pay for all of these things. Which begs the question, if that is the case where none of this can exist, if we do not have the money to take from these other places, don't you want to ask the question, how could we make sure that we're always creating more and more opportunity and wealth and money so we can pay for some of these other things? Why would you want to go towards a system that destroys the opportunity for those things to exist and say we're going to provide all of these things at the same time? What's the thing? Play it out. Yeah. Play it out. This is what people have always said. Eventually, you run out of money. Eventually. I've always said America is so rich right now, we could probably handle socialism for a good, I would say, 20 years. I don't think so. You don't. You think it'd be quicker than that? I think the. Uh, we'll look at Venezuela. I mean, they were praising themselves for what ten years. Yeah. You know that everybody was happy. You I don't know, think everybody was living the dream. I don't know what debt they started out in, or or how messy their foundation was. With, since they were able to ex- export so much oil at a high price for for a while, so long. Um, with our i don't know with with our economy the way it is right now i think you would see a market crash immediately similar to what's happening kind of right now although the market's back up just a little bit today you would see a crash you would see uh the destruction of the money in my opinion you would see it quicker in the u.s than you would see in other countries because of the shaky foundation that we're on already but whatever i'll give you say the 20 i would say 10 i you know i'd give them 10 a 10 (laughs) <laughs> that's what i would give i'd have got them 10 yeah well anyway i gotta go soon nate so yeah, uh we gotta wrap this thing up um speaking of markets yeah yeah so we're on wednesday march 4th we will be launching the liberty trading academy send me an email if you are interested in learning how to day trade i day trade every single day of the week when the market is open which is nearly every single day of the week so i day trade i've been been doing that for several years now and we've decided that since i'm already sitting here in front of all these cameras all day doing this that hey we might as well record a bunch of educational videos and teach our listeners how to get in on this action and become some of the people that everyone is uh, envious of 
and stop talking about and speculating about all these people in the 1% and how they got their money and what their wealth is and all these things. Let's just jump into that category real quick. Let's, let's do that. Now you got to realize with trading in the market comes risk. You got to be willing to risk some money. I would recommend to anyone, do not put into a bank account, into a trading account, an, an amount of money that you are not okay with losing, because if you're scared of losing, then you will make poor decisions while you're trying to trade. So you've got to manage your risk. You've got to get your mind right before you decide to do that. But in this class, we'll be talking psychology. We'll be talking the very basics. We'll be talking about how to go from not even knowing what kind of chart to use. You've never seen a stock chart before. Don't even know a word yet. And we'll be going all the way to the point where you're taking trades and trading a consistent strategy every single day. So if you're interested, you can send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Let me know you're interested. I'll put you on the email list. I think we got an email blast with information going out today. And that website will be launched on Wednesday. We'll be uploading weekly content. I think there's going to be something like a dozen videos and all kinds of other educational content for week one. And then we'll continue uploading more and more videos weekly. All of the previous videos will stay on there. So you will be able to have this course on demand and we'll be giving you the videos in order like you're in a class and you're learning a skill in the order that you actually need to learn them. And uh, yeah, get everyone to be consistent, disciplined, and profitable. You got to get the consistent and the disciplined part. I'm excited. It's, yeah. a, it's a hell of an opportunity. I'm pretty pumped about it. I mean, I love trading. I've been doing it. For, we got several people in on the early bird. Yeah, special, we did. Which is nice. Now, those of you that missed out on that, I want to tell you that you're, there's still hope for you because with everyone, we're offering you a seven day free trial. Yeah. So when you sign up for one of our plans, we got three plans on there. Uh, you get a seven day free trial. So try it out. If you hate it, then you just cancel. It doesn't cost you a dime. Ain't no money In fact, yet. it's going to cost you money not to take it. That's You got to look at the opportunity missed yes. as a loss of money. It is. It is. So you might as well sign up for it. Send Nate an email. And then once the site goes live on Wednesday, March 4th, uh, you'll have opportunity to sign up at any time. And you get that seven-day free trial. And so there's honestly no excuse. You I might don't want to hear any of them. Might as well sign up. Take a look at it. Get involved in the class. If you think it's not going to work out for you, then hit the cancel button. Yeah. But get involved with, I don't know, raising your own wealth and not being dependent on other people. That's what this is all about. By the way, I did that with Hulu. Yeah. Signed up for their seven-day free trial. I got access to their live TV so I could watch a Predators game. And then I canceled it. And then I ended up uh, using your YouTube TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what I ended up going with. That's a good plan. I like YouTube TV. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. Although they're talking about dropping the network that has the Preds games on it. Oh, now. that's not good. No, that's not good. So I'm going to have to maybe sign up for another free trial. Who knows? But anyway, that's what you got to do if you want to do that. Uh, we mentioned at the front of the show, um, Patreon is another way to support this show. You can go to patreon.com slash Liberty, and that'll get you some pre-show action, some post-show action. Some weekly, some video, weekly video blogs, which I did record a 15-minute just free thought video on the way here and it's already uploaded on our patreon today you get one of those no editing no editing whatsoever i just turn on a camera and talk about whatever it is i'm thinking about in liberty that day and put it on there you're going to get yourself 25 percent discount on the merch you got pre-show post-show you got an extra episode every single day of the week on there i mean you're getting a ridiculous value if you value liberty if you value this content and this message 
then the value is just insane on there for sure. So yeah, that, you got to go, you got to go do it. There's free ways too to support yeah. the show. Well, there's yeah, some of those free ways is just sharing the show with a friend. If you like what you heard today, which you probably did, and uh, you're welcome for that. <laughs> if they made it all the way to this point in the podcast, then they, then they liked what they you heard. Definitely today. loved yeah. it. And so share the show with a friend. Tell somebody about it. Tell uh, Ashley. Tell uh, Nate about it. Tell John. Yeah. Um, tell your communist uncle because he needs to hear the truth. Yep. And the truth shall set you free. That's, <laughs> shall set you free. That's from Liar Liar. Uh, God, we're getting old. You know, most of our audience. That, that movie has got to be like 25 a, years old by I don't now. No, it was a long time ago, but man, it was so good. That's Jim Carrey back in his days. But anyway, if you guys go do all of that and share the show with a friend, leave us a rating and review because that helps in the algorithms and that's very important for all of this automated technology we got going on today several reviews coming in and it's really nice the 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 numbers are going up the reviews are going up it's really cool for all of you guys to join us in all of this we love talking about liberty this is our life our mission our passion this is the only way forward so if you guys do all of that we'll be back again tomorrow to do it all over again hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty <laughs>